0: Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Clinical Pearls. Alright, it's not actually action-packed, but it is really packed of evidence-based recommendations for clinical practice, like this common clinical dilemma. What do we do with patients who present with persistent symptoms of bubble vaginal atrophy, but they have a history of breast cancer. Is vaginal estrogen therapy safe? And what about vaginal estrogen alternatives like Intrarosa or the oral tablet Osphemaphim, which is approved for vulval vaginal atrophy in the general population? Well, in this episode, we're going to cover the ACOG Committee Opinion 659, covering that subject, but we're going to expand it to include more recent data, like the recently FDA-approved medication, Invexi. So get ready. Here we go. It is not unusual for the OBGYN or other women's healthcare professional to have a patient who has a history of breast cancer but who now presents with symptoms of vulvovaginal atrophy, mainly from either natural menopause or treatment-induced menopause. Systemic and vaginal estrogens are widely used for symptomatic relief of both vasomotor symptoms and vasovaginal atrophy. However, given that these types of cancers, like breast cancers, are hormone-sensitive, there are safety concerns about the use of local hormone therapy in women who currently have breast cancer or who have a history of breast cancer. So in this podcast, we're going to dive into this according to the most recent data on safety. Well, let's get right to the point. Non-hormonal approaches are the first-line choices for managing both vasomotor and urogenital symptoms of atrophy in women who have a history of breast cancer but are symptomatic from the climacteric period. Once again, non-hormonal approaches are first-line for both systemic vasomotor symptoms and local vulvovaginal atrophy disturbances. Examples of non-hormonal agents for vulvovaginal atrophy include moisture moisturizers, lubricants, and topical anesthetics. Remember, those are first line. However, for some women, these approaches only have limited or temporary effects on their symptoms of vulvovaginal atrophy, and they continue to have altered quality of life. Vaginal estrogen therapy has been shown to provide women with symptomatic relief of these urogenital symptoms, and generally, vaginal estrogen delivers lower doses of hormone compared to formulations developed to provide systemic relief of vasomotor symptoms. So let's make that distinction right now. Remember, in patients with a known history of breast cancer, systemic hormone therapy, either oral or in gel or in patch form, is contraindicated. But remember, the topic of our podcast is vaginal estrogen or vaginal hormonal agents. So that's our focus here, knowing, of course, that systemic therapy is otherwise not offered. Studies show that the use of low-dose vaginal estrogens does not result in sustained serum levels exceeding the normal menopausal range. The lowest rates of systemic absorption are found in the ring and in the tablet. When used at the appropriate dose, estradiol creams also deliver a low dose of hormone. Now, because of the heterogeneity of the estrogens in the various formulations, data regarding the use of conjugated equine estrogen cream are less defined compared with the data for estradiol cream. In addition, delivery of a set dose of estrogen is more variable with the creams in contrast to the tablet or the ring. So, data regarding estradiol levels associated with vaginal creams have greater variability compared with either the tablet or the ring formulations. So that's a clinical pearl. Remember, it's harder to actually gauge the amount of estrogen being used when a cream is placed. However, data seems to be more consistent with the use of the vaginal tablet or the vaginal ring. Traditionally, there were three main types of vaginal agents containing estrogen, a cream, a ring, and a tablet. However, in 2018, around May, the FDA approved the estradiol vaginal insert. That branded name is Imbexi, that's Imbexi, I M V E. X X Y. Now, as point of transparency and disclosure, even though we may discuss some branded names in this podcast, I have no financial or corporate disclosures to report. Again, in 2018, estradiol vaginal insert or Imvexi was approved for women with moderate to severe dyspareunia resulting from menopause. These are vaginal inserts and are available in 4-microgram and 10-microgram soft gel vaginal capsules. These also do not require an applicator. The 4-microgram dose is now the lowest approved dose of vaginal estradiol on the U.S. market today. Mvexi is a bioidentical vaginal estrogen that offers a fraction of the estrogen contained in the average doses of many existing products studies show that in patients who use Imvexi, systemic absorption of estradiol remained within the postmenopausal range. Now, remember that in our previous podcast, we also covered another vaginal agent that is a pro-hormone approved by the FDA and is another option for women with vulval vaginal atrophy. That was intrarosa or presterone. And for more details on that, then I refer you back to the podcast immediately before this one. Now there is another oral formulation approved for women with vaginal atrophy that's actually a atypical SERM. Remember that that's Ospemifene. But for that information again, you can look at our previous podcast just immediately before this one. But remember that according to the FDA All of these agents are not approved for women with a known history of breast cancer. However, for the vaginal application, what actually is the data in clinical practice? And that's our focus here. All right, team, when we come back, let's answer the question. What about the use of vaginal estrogen by women with a current or prior history of breast cancer? Let's get into that next. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. All right. Despite the original FDA contraindication, clinical studies show that the use of low-dose vaginal estrogens do not result in sustained serum estrogen levels exceeding the normal menopausal range. The lowest rates of systemic absorption seem to be with the newly approved Imvexi, and also with the low-dose ring and the vaginal tablet. So according to the American College of OBGYN, data do not show an increased risk of cancer recurrence among women currently undergoing treatment for breast cancer or those with a personal history of breast cancer who use vaginal estrogen to relieve local urogenital symptoms. A nested case control analysis of a cohort study of women with breast cancer who either did not or did use vaginal estrogen showed no increase of recurrence in the vaginal estrogen users. In another study, the risk of recurrence in women who use vaginal cream was not increased irrespective of the total dose prescribed. So both of these are very good news. But it's not as easy as that. There is concern that remains about recurrence risk with the use of vaginal estrogen in women with breast cancer who are using aromatase inhibitors. Specifically, the threshold for systemic estrogen levels associated with breast cancer recurrence has yet to be determined. Some authors note that even a small increase in systemic estradiol levels may have a detrimental effect on recurrence risk and that more data are needed before recommendations can be made regarding the use of vascular estrogen among this population. Typically, aromatase inhibitors decrease circulating estradiol levels from 20 picograms per mL to less than 1 to 3. Studies have demonstrated an initial increase of serum estradiol with the use of low-dose vaginal estrogen like the ring or the 25 microgram estradiol tablet among women taking an aromatase inhibitor, although these levels were not sustained over time and increased cancer recurrence was actually not noted. It is a different and more reassuring case, though, for women on tamoxifen. The use of vaginal estrogens may be appropriate for women with urogenital symptoms who are on tamoxifen. Low and temporary increases of plasma estrogen do not appear to increase recurrence risk in women who are on tamoxifen because, remember, it's a competitive inhibitor for the estrogen receptor. So because of these effects, women who are currently on aromatase inhibitors but who are experiencing persistent urogenital symptoms refractory to non-hormonal agents may benefit from switching to tamoxifen at least in the short run and then using short-term estrogen followed by a return to normal aromatase inhibitor therapy for the duration of the treatment course. Alright, now that we're at the end, let's do a clinical management wrap-up. Remember, low-dose vaginal estrogen is an effective and safe option to treat GSM. Remember, that's genitourinary symptoms of menopause in women that have either estrogen receptor negative or estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. It often completely cures the symptoms without any noticeable increase in serum estrogen levels. Now, for women who are concerned about using any kind of estrogen, then vaginal DHEA as a pro-hormone is another option. Remember, that's intrarosa. Vaginal DHEA is a non-estrogen option that effectively treats GSM without increasing systemic levels of estrogen or testosterone. This profile makes vaginal DHEA therapy a particularly attractive treatment for these symptoms in women who are at risk or have a history of breast cancer. Now, use of an estrogen receptor agonist antagonist like osfemiphene in breast cancer survivors still needs careful consideration. Osphenosine has antiestrogenic effects that make it a good option for women with bone loss and for those at high risk or history of breast cancer, but it should not be used concurrently with tamoxifen or reloxifene. Additionally, as a plus, is that osfemafine does not cause uterine hyperplasia, so it can be used safely in women with a uterus. That brings us to a wrap. Remember, non hormonal approaches are the first line choices for managing both systemic symptoms as well as urogenital symptoms who are being experienced by women during or after. After treatment for breast cancer, among women with a history of estrogen-dependent breast cancer who are experiencing specifically urogenital symptoms, vaginal estrogens should be reserved for those patients who are unresponsive to non-hormonal remedies. Nonetheless, if estrogens are chosen or estrogen-like devices or products, the data is actually very reassuring. The decision to use vaginal estrogen should be made in coordination, of course, with the patient's oncologist. Additionally, it should be preceded by informed decision-making and consent processes, which address the patient's concerns, questions, and overall provide evidence-based recommendations. Thanks for listening to this episode of Clinical Pearls, and we'll see you next time on our next show.